the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Years ago, when we first adopted our boys, we adopted a 7-year-old and a 10-year-old, and both of them had fetal alcohol syndrome with them. And uh, I remember our younger boy would get one of those boys' magazines. I think it was called, like, Boys' Life or something. At the back of that magazine, they were advertising something that was known as a spy scope. And you know how they do for kids sometimes. you got to get this spy scope. It can see right through buildings and right through people, and it can see around corners. They made these incredible promises. And so my son said, I'd like to get one of those spy scopes, Dad. So we sat down, and the best we could do is to try to not discourage him, but help him along on making a, a right decision or having what is known as discernment. So we guided him along, and yet we left the choice up to him, because if he made the wrong choice, the worst it might be would be he might waste some of his money, of course, and the other would be maybe uh, perhaps be let down. So after all of this, you know, mom and dad, they're just hoping that he would listen to mom and dad through the guidance of the principles and make the right choice. But he wasn't discerning to us and certainly wasn't discerning on what this thing was making as far as this exorbitant claim. So we permitted him to go ahead and order that spy scope. I can still remember the day because every day our son, after he sent away for it, went to the mailbox looking for it to arrive. And the day it arrived, and there it was in a brown small box, and it had all the information on it from where he had ordered it, and he got it home, and I happened to be there, and he opened up this box like a little kid at Christmas time. He opened up, and there it was. Sure enough, was this little round object that was gray, and it was the spy scope. Right out of the box, he took this, and it had one of those telescopes, you know how you telescopic pull it on out? Well, he did it, and he just pulled it right out, and he separated it right off the bat. So it didn't even stay together. Then he tried to look at things through this, and he barely could magnify something to bring it close, let alone, of course, look through something. Well, I am so sorry that he had to learn such a painful lesson for a 7 or an 8-year-old. But yet at the same time, I'm glad he began to learn that you have to be more discerning, especially with things that you don't have all the information and to draw upon that. But that illustration also was a lesson to me. I reflected upon my relationship with God and His with me. You see, for those of us who know Christ as Savior, God is our Heavenly Father. And God, too, He has things allow to come into our life for us to make choices. 
And he does that often so that we would make the right choice so that we can give him the glory, we can grow, things can happen, the kingdom is built. A lot happens as a benefit when we make right choices due to proper discernment. But how many of us can honestly say, humbly say, that we did not use good discernment and therefore we made wrong choices? And our Heavenly Father at the same time grieved over those choices we've made because of poor discernment. And I pray that our church would be a discerning church. And we'd be a church that would make right choices because we've learned the principles of discernment and how important it is. Especially today because here in America we might call it the grain of our values. Now I didn't live a hundred years ago or, or maybe a millennium or so ago of course. And I'm sure that people had a lot of conflicting things happen to them to help them make decisions or make wrong decisions and they didn't have discernment. But I do live today. I do go to the malls today. I do see what's on the internet today. I do hear what's coming through television and all the information that's brought before me. Whether it's so-called Christian, religious, or social, or economical, or marketplace, I'm flooded with a lot of information. And every single day, just like you, we're called upon to make decisions on some of that. And we need to make the right decision based upon a rock-solid basis of ethics and, and values. I was listening to most of, but I didn't get all of, our president's farewell address, which happens to be a tradition. It started with George Washington. But in the middle of his farewell address, he said something that was, again, very profound for me. A lot of things he said was important, but this one stuck with me. He said there is a great war, a great tension between good and evil. And then he says, and there must not be any compromise. And I really like what he had to say, that there is a difference of good and evil, which that means now there is none of this moral relativism that is often allowed or permitted or even taught today, propagated, that there is right and wrong. And it's our responsibility to know what is right and what is wrong. And yeah, in some cases it might seem to be that there's something that's more right, less right, more wrong, less wrong. But there is that grain of America. And we need to be very careful of what this is. And so for us, we need to embrace tolerance. There is a decision we have to make between good and evil, right and wrong, true and false. But then sometimes it's not quite as easy. Sometimes our discernment needs to take us to decide such distinctives between good and better and better and best. And for some of you Christians that have been Christians a long time, you have a good set of biblical principles. We'll call it truth or b biblical values even. And so you already addressed, you know what's right and what's wrong. You know the commandments. You know the principles. But then God also allows us to see if we have strengthened those understandings of principles and we're choosing now between what is good and better and better and best. Even Paul spoke to that issue. And so today I'd like to speak on the topic of discernment. Discernment in a practical life, but also in a theological life. And to do that, I thought maybe we would take a personal quiz. Now, I'm not going to grade your paper. I think all of us probably would even fail at this here if we go through it. So let's do it together, shall we? It says, ask yourself, do I need to learn about discernment? We could almost say, do I need to be here today with my heart and my mind cocked towards Scripture? And here's a way to find out. Number one, you have been cheated on a purchase that you have made. 
If any of you bought something maybe through Craigslist or eBay or perhaps through a television ad or maybe just through a friend and somehow you were swindled, and I don't want to give any particular professions out there that might have knowingly or ignorantly swindled you, but how many of you have been cheated out of something? Number two, you've been talked into doing something that you later regretted. Maybe you're out with friends and they talked you into going to a particular restaurant that served alcohol and then you move from that to other things and you began to drink something beyond and then it goes on from there. And of course it was a slippery slope that now you are sitting in a room and you realize that you are talked into something that you know in your heart you knew better that you shouldn't have done. And that's just one area. It could have been anything. Lying to parents, not telling the truth talked into taking something that doesn't belong to you or not giving back something that belongs to someone else. But the bottom line is you've been talked into doing something. Your discernment was at a low point and now you regret it. Or how about number three? You've give, been given confidential information to a person. You've given it to them. And you know probably you shouldn't have done that, but then that person misused that information that caused you hurt or harm or hindered you on your job or maybe in a relationship or in some measure. And so now you look back and you think, maybe I should not have either heard the confidential information or passed it on. Or how about number four? Sometimes I find myself here. I, I have to work harder at this one if I, you don't mind me sharing this with you. You have used words or expressions which later have caused hurt or misunderstanding to other people. Now, I'm sure that all of us have ignorantly said words that you, in our vernacular, in our culture, was okay. I remember one time I was at a youth conference speaking in upstate New York outside of Albany. And while I was speaking at this youth conference, literally kids came from all over the world, including Australia. And I used something with junior high kids, a word that for them, they could, you know, they could take it. You know, junior high kids can be pretty crass and it doesn't impact them quite as much. And so I used that word with them, but I won't tell you what that word is. If you want to know, you can ask me afterwards. And if you're not from Australia, I'll tell you. But anyway, I had a, the group from Australia there. I said that word. I had no idea, but the leader of that youth group from Australia came up and said, that is a word that you do not use around our kids because it means, and it was something so different than what words that we would use here. As I look back over that, even the word that I use with our young people here in America was probably, definitely, not the best word even to use then. It wasn't a swear word or something like that. But maybe some of you could remember a time that you just were motor mouth and rattling it out. Those of us who speak, teach, and are in positions to give out a lot of information, we will tread over that thin ice more frequently than we would like to think. And so we have to think about that. So think about maybe words or expressions, maybe to your mate or when you're disciplining your kids, that you didn't use good discernment and you've left a scar in their gray matter that they'll never forget you said that. How about number five? You believe something to be true or accurate only to find out later it was false or inaccurate. Maybe someone gave you information on how to install some software in your computer or do something with your computer because of a virus only to find out it complicated the issue. They gave you false or inaccurate information. Maybe it was something that dealt with your finances with a bookkeeper or something and that caused you great pain. But I'd like to crank that up a notch. 
I think we can live through problems that we were given information that would be inaccurate with computers or finances or maybe even some legal things. We'll have to suffer for a while, but we can navigate and get out of it eventually. But here's something that's far worse. It's when people are propagating to you and to me truths about the Bible. Thus saith the Lord when the Lord doesn't thus, thus say it. But we, because we're so hungry to hear truth often, and it seems like that's a reasonably worthy guy to trust to give us that information, we then believe it without taking it through good discernment to understand what it has to say. And we end up believing that. Now, if it's on the gospel, which I hope you listen up right now, that's a very dangerous thing. When someone tells you that to go to heaven, it's by good works. I think most of you will already know enough of the Bible that says you can never get to heaven by good works. But how many people are doing that? How many people that are in a third world country today that never heard of our God or Jesus Christ that have already embraced a false belief system? That means they'll spend eternity in hell. How about this one? The people today that hear the message that go to heaven is by faith in Jesus Christ and also doing some amount of good work make them Lord of your life or whatever else, add a lot of stuff, either front load or back load the gospel. It sounds so good, it's so special, so sweet, we want to do everything we can for the Lord. Everything we can for the Lord to get to heaven. Again, that's not good discernment, but we believe that. And so God calls all of us that we need to have a discerning spirit from the Word of God. We'll talk about how to do that in a moment. But let me give you one more for those of you that are on the, or, or in the family of God by faith alone. All right? Do you know that you could also be given misinformation and accurate information either knowingly given to you or maybe they're passing because they believe something ignorantly onto you? And you might embrace that as well. And should you embrace it, it could be a warped uh, approach to how to live the Christian life. And so all of a sudden you're wondering, why is my life always goofed up? It's because perhaps you weren't taught accurately. What does it mean to be properly filled with the Spirit and walk by means of the Spirit and live the exchange life for the glory of God? And how do you interpret these scriptures and verses in light of the context and hermeneutics and all of that? So we could have a problem with that. So discernment is as big as where do we go for dinner today? What do we eat when it's put before us or offered to us? How we spend our money to how we're going to approach biblical Christianity. So it is important for us. Now to do that, I decided to help you for some of you that are still trying to sort out the word discernment. I don't use the word discernment every day in my vocabulary. I probably use it a little more than some because of my calling in life to be a pastor and encouraging people to think wisely. But nonetheless, I, don't, I know that there are people that struggle with it. So I've gone to different sources on what discernment could mean. And then I'll kind of chop it all up, put it all together in one package and give you something you might be able to take and use. All right, so what does the word discernment mean? I went to the Funk and Wagnall Standard Desk Dictionary. Strictly the world. And you can pull it off your shelf. It's a secular dictionary. And they basically say discernment means to perceive as with sight and mind. Look at it, think about it, perceive. They also say to recognize as separate or different. In other words, realize that there is a difference. There is something separate. It's not all gray. And then to distinguish or discriminate, almost moving from knowing something and then making the right choice. 
Then I did something that I've not done before in any of my definitions as your pastor. I decided to do something wild and crazy. I decided to go to the computer and go to the web. And so I checked up what is known as Wikipedia. Anybody know what Wikipedia is? Anybody? Look at all these internet surfers out here. All right, Wikipedia is just a site you can go to. It's like an encyclopedia. Wicca, like we do, wiki means fast encyclopedia. I think that's what it means. To me, it is. You hit it, butt it, and you can get all sorts of information. I can't tell you that all of it is true. I haven't gone to the plummet, the depths of Wikipedia. But I did do the word discernment. And it's interesting how Wikipedia, probably put together by unsafe people or people of all different kinds of isms and spasms, here's what they said discernment was. In fact, in some ways, I like it. It goes like this. It says, discernment is a term used in Christian tradition to describe the process of discerning God's will for one's life. Boy, did I like that. What they began to say is it seems like when we use the word discernment that it's wrapped up mostly in the whole Christian tradition. That it really perhaps goes as far back as the Bible days. Letting us know that there are choices we have to make and they have to be right choices and we have to know what those choices are and then we have to make those choices once we know what they are. I also like it says that it's a process that to have a discerning spirit, listen carefully now, some of you will be more discerning, discerning than others. Does that make you better? No, it may make you more knowledgeable in the Word. You paid the price to learn it. You spent more time with God. Then there are others that are on the journey to know more. Some of you that trusted Christ to save you, you are discerning enough to say, it's not by good works, it's by faith alone. And you've chosen to use that discernment and made the right choice. So you're at the front end of this. But I like that. It's part of the tradition. But it's a process of growing. We'll sh we should be more discerning tomorrow than we are today if we're staying in His Word. But it goes on to say, discerning God's will for one's life. Now, why did I like that? It's because I believe that God has a plan for our life, albeit it might be prescribed or it might be permitted, but God's will is for us to bring glory to Him through what we do from a heart of love and faith from the inside out. I know that. Now, in order for me to live my Christian life, I need to have good discernment because my Christian life will be made up of a gazillion choices that I make. And the more right choices I make, obviously, the more glory that can go to the Lord more quickly, as well as the more right choices that I make, the longer I'll be in His will and the more I'll be maturing in Christ. And, of course, the kingdom will be built. And so, again, I thought that was a good definition. I went back to Noah Webster's dictionary, which is the first dictionary of the English language, and it says it's the power of the faculty of the mind. I'm going to emphasize that a little bit later on today, so stay with me. It's of the mind by which it distinguishes one thing from another, truth from falsehood, virtue from vice. So then I went to the Bible, and I decided to look up a couple of the Greek words for the word discernment or the concept of discernment, and there are three of them. One is a word that means to distinguish intensively, to examine and scrutinize. Now stay with me, folks, on this. It's not a cursory glance at something. It's not, listen to it, boom, and you're away from it. It's an intense scrutinization. You're examining something. In fact, that Greek word is only used in two of the New Testament books, Acts and 1 Corinthians. And it reminds the people of the importance to examine Scripture. Try this. Use discernment. Another Greek word means to discriminate or to decide. 
And that's generally between things. It could be, is that good thing, better thing, or best thing? So it's to make choices. And may I say this, it's to put values on things. All right? Next, it's to test or to prove or to scrutinize as to decide. So I believe the discernment is, watch this carefully now, it's to gather all the facts, learn it all together, make the right choice, know, watch this, knowing what that right choice is to make, but now you still have to pull the trigger. There are many of you that have come to a point in your Christian life that you do have good discernment. The question is, is do you use it or not? Do you pull the trigger? Do you make the choice? I'm not there, I'm not your Holy Spirit, and far be it for me to judge you. When I find out, though, I do, I, I do feel some of your pain. Maybe that's my shepherd's heart. I do get disappointed sometimes. But at the same time, that's your choice. So my decision here today is to teach you about discernment, encourage you to use discernment, and then to make the right choice based on that which you discern. So let me give you a simple definition that might work for you. Okay, so let's put it up on the screen. And you can play with this if you'd like to. And uh, make it work for you, parents, that might help your kids. It's using all your faculties, obviously of your mind, based on Scripture. So again, if you need to have a basis for good discernment, you're going to have to find it in Scripture. And then it's to evaluate people. I didn't say judge people. It means to evaluate them. Is that a wise person? By the way, let me speak to that for a moment before I go any further, folks. A lot of people today say you cannot judge people. You should not judge people. It, that, that concept sounds so spiritual. Don't judge people. And we'll pull out verses from the New Testament. Don't judge people. I think for us to properly understand that concept of judging people, we have to define what is judge. For the book of Proverbs is nothing but a judgment on people. What do I mean by that? You're a wise person, you're a foolish person. You're a lazy bum, you're a diligent person. It goes on and on. So it's telling you to judge people. Because one word judge means to analyze, come to a conclusion. The other word means to condemn. So it is wrong to condemn, but it is not wrong to say that that person is not a wise person for my son or daughter to date. That is not wrong for you to say. That is not a good choice of how I should spend my money. You're not judging. You're analyzing. So let's go on. So to evaluate people, problems, issues, ideas, statements, and things. And so it's all about life. And of course, it can even include Scripture as well. We're going to hammer down on Scripture a little bit later on. So I've selected a passage of Scripture in the life of Christ. So how is discernment illustrated in Scripture? Obviously, every character trait that we could study should be found in the person of Christ. And I believe that God has given us a snapshot of his life in the New Testament. So I could look at his life and pick out some character traits. And I'm picking out one here. Now, can you all do this with me for a moment? Because I feel like I'm giving you information overload and I need you to take a break. Just go like this. All right. Shake up a little bit. Because I need you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. With all of the illustrations from the life of Christ, I want you to know that there are so many truths you can get from the, the, the illustrations or from the story about the life of Christ. I'm going to give you some of the background of what's happening. And we're going to talk about do I pay taxes to season or not. You heard that story. 
But it's not so much the story about paying taxes. It is in context. But I want to draw from the life of Christ what happens when you are confronted with people that ask you a particular question and you now have to make a decision. How did the Lord manifest to us the spirit of discernment? So while we're learning the truths, we're also going to learn a little bit about the process. Now, let me explain this to you, and I hope you're staying with me now. It is hard for me to tell you that this is the process of discernment that Jesus used. Now, why is that hard? Because I know Scripture says that Jesus is omniscient. He knows all things. So in a sense, he doesn't have to use a process. In fact, Scripture says in John that he knows what's in a man. In other words, he already knows what the man's thinking, so he doesn't have to try to get all the information and then kind of make, hope he makes the right decision. Or he's Jesus, he'll always make the right decision by doing the process right. I believe it's already in him. It's who he is. It's his character of discernment. All right, he's wise. He's all-knowing. All right, now that being the case... He still kind of shows us what goes on in a situation, and I'd like to pick apart some of that so that we could learn a discernment principle through his life. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. FM, AM 950, The Word. Thank you for joining us here for Stan Pons and Make It Clear. Have it for you Monday through Friday at the same time in the afternoon at 5.30. And uh, by the way, Stan Pons, he is going to be uh, the pastor that we're going to be interviewing this week on the Church of the Week. He's the interim pastor right now at Circle Community Church in Orlando. We're going to have a conversation with him and we'll find out more about him and the church and then he will deliver the message helping our youth keep the faith so join us for the church of the week this sunday at two with pastor stan pons of make it clear now interim pastor at circle community church in orlando it uh be a wonderful message for you and an interesting interview. You'll find out more about uh, Pastor uh, Stan Pons and, in fact, find out more about Florida Bible College as well because he's in charge over there. So had a really good interview with him, and I tell you, he knows his stuff, that's for sure. Well, I'm Ellen Dempsey, and I'm with you here on this uh, 17th day of August 2017. Some things that happened on this day in 1998. Oh, boy. I bet you remember this. Uh, Monica Lewinsky scandal. Yes, U.S. President Bill Clinton admits in taped testimony he had an improper physical relationship with the intern Monica Lewinsky. And on the same day admits before the nation, he misled the people. 
about the relationship at Sonono Bill. And in 1982, the first compact discs, the CDs are released to the public in Germany. And I remember they said those things are indestructible. You can't destroy That's not true. Never was. <laughs> Coming up next, in touch, Dr. Charles Stanley at 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Oregon legislators earlier in the summer adopted legislation that will now make Oregon not only the state with the most liberal abortion laws in the nation, but also now the only state that will compel all of its citizens to pay for abortion. ABC News indicated just how radical the law is when saying, quote, the Oregon bill is unique in that patients would have access to the procedure for virtually any reason at any time, including sex-selective and late-term abortion. Abortions, end quote. Now, that's not a conservative website or a conservative politician or theological figure making this remark. It's ABC News, noting that the radical nature of this law comes down to the fact that taxpayers in Oregon are now going to be, by this legislative decree, not only complicit in abortion, but complicit in abortion for any reason. I'm Albert Moeller. Learn more at townhallreview.com. What is probate? Probate is the legal process of settling a person's final affairs by ensuring creditors' claims are addressed and the individual's assets are distributed to the proper persons. Hello, I'm Karen Eastry, attorney. I share your values. I would like to assist you with the process of preparing estate planning documents that state your wishes so that in the event of your death or disability, your wishes are clearly stated, personalized for your situation. After you have lost a loved one, I can help you through the probate process from start to finish. Call me, Karen Eastry, 407-869-0900 to discuss ways I can assist so that if you die or are sick or disabled, your wishes are honored and your loved ones protected. Let me help. I'm Karen Eastry. That's E-S-T-R-Y, attorney, 407-869-0900 or go online to altamontlaw.com. Offices, Altamont Springs. Are you frustrated with how the church has changed? Are you missing the old-timey hymns and Bible preaching? There is a secret in Seminole County, and it's Starlight Baptist Church in Winter Springs. Starlight has not changed. They still sing hymns and preach against sin. They share the gospel and see souls come to Christ every week. If you're longing for church the way it used to be and want fellowship and growth, then make sure to check out Starlight Baptist Church in Winter Springs. Visit StarlightBaptist.com to learn more. 94.9 FM and AM 950. Central Florida's WTLN Orlando. The Word, where faith comes by hearing. The following program is furnished. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver 
for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.